Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. I don't know about you, but like um, every time I pick up my phone, I'm tempted to open like every single social media app on it. Every time I open my computer, like the pull to just go to like YouTube instead of anything else is way more appealing. Even walking into my house, I am tempted immediately, even if I've just eaten lunch with somebody, to open the fridge and grab something usually full of sugar. Every time I'm stuck in traffic, I have this urge to yell at everyone that can't hear me driving in front of me. We're surrounded by little temptations everywhere we look. Everywhere we go, there's some reason to be pulled out of a sense of genuine peace into some deeper sense of anxiety. Everywhere we look, we're pulled into comparison between one another or into a deeper political division. I mean, my goodness, I subscribe to the New York Times and just opening up the New York Times' main page, I am pulled into political faction, right? I'm so sure everybody else is an idiot, and I've got it all figured out. That is just one more temptation when I'm trying to learn about what's happening in the world around me. It's amazing, I think, that everywhere we look, we seem to have a choice to make about how we respond to the impulses within us and the opportunities that surround us. Because each one of those things doesn't need to be a temptation away from God's heart, right? Like, there are plenty of people doing really good things, faithful things on social media, and there are plenty of people who are using social media to pull people apart. There are emails that come in that help me reconnect both with my faith and with my community, and then there are emails that make me flood with anxiety and hurt and frustration at what's happening in the world around me. There's traffic stories, if you remember a couple years ago when we had that big ice storm, where there are miraculous stories of sharing. You know, there was a woman who uh, was uh, needed to get rid of some milk, and there were infants on the road that needed it. Do you remember these stories that came out? And then simultaneously, you would see people stuck in that same traffic who had just learned to hate the world a little bit more than they already did. Everything becomes a choice. How we engage with the world around us becomes a choice. Does the moment in front of me, will I let it teach me something about the heart of God? Or will I let it teach me something about something else? 
I think this is really what is so complicated about the idea of temptation in general. It's not ever as straightforward as just absolute right and absolute wrong. And honestly, the devil in this story is just doing his job, right? Like, God, the Spirit of God sends Jesus out in the wilderness to be tested, and guess what? He's tested. He's just playing his role, giving Jesus an opportunity to make a choice consistently. This is why it's really important when we read the Gospel of Matthew to have in our minds a little bit about the history of the people of Israel. If you remember uh, in the book of Exodus, or if you don't remember, that's totally cool too. We're going to do a quick refresh. The book of Exodus is all about the people of God having, through many different circumstances, they find themselves as slaves in Egypt. Everything about life is Bad. They're abused by the Egyptians. They're forced into a kind of labor that they can't sustain. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And somehow they're able, even though there's some squabbling between them, and we see Moses actually confront some of that, they're able to cry out with a singular voice for freedom. And when they cry out, From their pain and from their anguish, we hear in the book of Exodus that God hears them and understands their pain. And so God sends this new prophet, Moses, who will act as a mediator between the the chosen people of God, these slaves in Egypt, and the Pharaoh who is holding them captive. And Moses goes before the Pharaoh and demands their release. And they go through a series of interactions that involve plagues and discussion and fights and hatred. And all these things sort of build up until they're finally released out into the wilderness. And these people, these people who were once slaves, who are now freed, have an opportunity to choose in the wilderness where they will align their hearts. It's just another choice. They spend 40 years walking in the desert. And the very first thing, this hopefully will sound like an echo to what Dan read. The very first thing they demand in the wilderness, because they're sure that God brought them out there to die, is bread. It would have been better for us to continue to be slaves because at least we had meat in the pot. They demand bread of God. And then in Deuteronomy, after they've been in the wilderness for some time and they're waiting to hear about what God is disclosing and what God's doing, they start to complain to Aaron, one of Moses' assistants, that God just isn't even present anymore. God brought these, God brought us out from, even from a terrible situation, but at least it was stable, into the wilderness, and God's brought us here to die. We demand that God show us God's power. A demand for spectacles. You might even say the demand for angels to sweep down out of the sky and carry the people to safety. And then later, once these chosen people descend into their promised land and they start to build their lives up, 
God has said that he will continue to be their leader and their guide and all things will be good if they maintain their faith. The leaders of this community demand the same kind of kingly power that all the other nations have. You hear this echo. What is the test that Jesus has to endure? What will you do when all seems lost? Will you trust that God is faithful in the midst of hardship? Or will you too demand a sign, some proof to consistently be in front of you? It's a choice. Jesus' temptation is just an opportunity to decide whose power he trusts more. Does he believe that the nations of the world, these powers that exist beyond his, like, does he believe that Rome really is the center of power and so he needs to be handed the same kind of nation that Rome has? Or does he trust that God transcends the power of nations and factions and rulers in this way? Does Jesus choose to believe the message of scarcity? There isn't actually enough to go around, and so you have to hoard and keep for yourself rather than trusting that there is abundance for all people. Can you trust that God's with you in the darkest moments of life? Or do you need to have that proven to you? It's all just little choices. None of them necessarily good or bad. God is faithful to the Hebrew people who push and challenge and fight. There's nothing wrong with that. But what happens through Jesus is a new way of being in the world. For the first time in our story, we see a human being who's able to consistently make the choice to trust God rather than seeing God as an enemy. And for the first time in our story, we start to see a new way being, being uh, cast out into the world. Like Isaiah, we start to see the, the valleys being raised up and the mountains being brought low so that the way to walk ahead becomes more simple because we have an example of what faithfulness truly looks like. And it culminates, this story culminates in just a beautiful moment, which is why I was carrying my Bible around. Of course, I put it down now. The Gospel of Matthew ends with a commission. And I, I think the commission is so perfect. 
Now, this is after Jesus has died. We're going to talk about this. We're going through the book of Matthew for the next several weeks. So the hunker down, we're in it. We're going to see all this come to pass. But uh, we're skipping way ahead. Jesus has lived his life. He's taught his lessons. He's died his death. And he's been resurrected. And now we come to his interactions with his disciples after the resurrection. Now, this is starting at verse 16 of chapter 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came near and spoke to them, and he said to them, This is, I have received all authority in heaven and on earth. Three years later, after experiencing the constant ridicule of his the people who claim the same faith as him after having to fight for grace when everybody demanded judgment around them after he fought for a new kingdom to be brought into this world and just that message of peace and truth and justice all of that led to him being captured to being sold out to being captured to being left abandoned to being killed all of that happens and then I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded of you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. It is so easy, and maybe this is just a temptation that I'm drawn into. It is so easy to look around and feel like the divisions of this world do have the final say. We've talked in this room about like conversations that have happened here and in other places about the feeling of a, there's somewhere on the horizon there seems to be another great violence in our nation between factions of people. We see the way that uh, some political leaders manipulate truth in order to gain more power and spaces, and for some reason they continue to seem to get more and more of it. We see more and more hatred being elevated. And we see people in, in charge of how people consume media, find ways to make money, oftentimes off of kids scrolling on social media. And it looks like, it feels like that has more power than the goodness of our God. And I am often if I, if I were given the same choices that Jesus had, I am certain I would need some proof. I would need it. I would need to know that when I needed God most, God would provide some basic sustenance for my life. When I was in the darkest moments of my life and looking at everything around me, I would certainly wish to see an angel swoop out of the sky and pick me up. 
I would love for the world to follow all of my rules because darn it, I'm smart. And that's all ridiculous, right? Like it's ridiculous. But that temptation is so strong because everything around us looks so scary. Which is why Jesus is not even his message, but his way of life is so essential for us because he is able somehow to step out of all of that, put his trust in something bigger than himself, and consistently take the next right step towards faithfulness, towards justice, with a deeper sense of compassion and hope and a deeper sense of love and abundance for all people, when every time I would want to close my heart off, Christ opens his more and thank God for it. Because every time I see something like this, if I saw Jesus dead, crucified, I would surely put a period on the end of that sentence in that chapter of my life. And I would move on. But God never allows our periods to end story. Never. God continues to breathe new life and fresh energy into the world so that all of us who are drawn into that same temptation might have someone to look up to who understands what it feels like to be caught in the midst of horror and pain and division and still trust that there is something good in this world. That is who Christ is, the one who could see bigger than me. And thank God for it. The one who could teach us about mercy and compassion, even as he was being killed. The one who could talk about opening his heart and his home to someone who had been convicted of a heinous crime at his side. This is who Christ is. Every time he has a choice for hatred that would seem perfectly justified and valid. Christ chooses love every time. And so when I fail at that, I can lay my failures at those feet and trust that there might be one leading me towards my next faithful step, casting it aside and drawing me into the heart of God for something bigger than me. That is my earnest hope and my prayer. That as I walk in through temptation of this life, Christ would be ever at my side. And guess what? That is the promise at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. I will never leave you. I will be by your side through the end of this present age. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.